0: Good evening, everyone. How's everyone doing? Good. It's great to see everyone. Um, I, uh, I've really enjoyed our uh, our service so far and uh, really appreciate everyone who put so much uh, thought and effort and planning into this. Um, thank you so much for the worship team. You guys did awesome. That was uh, That was encouraging. I'm really grateful that we have enough talented people so that people like me don't have to come up here and sing and lead you guys in worship, so... <laughs> yeah, praise God for that. <laughs> uh Amen. And uh always big shout out to the sound team back there. Daniela ish, Mike. Appreciate you guys. Uh Mike not a, and Mike's double dipping, he obviously uh is doing sound but also did the welcome and did a great job. So appreciate uh all that they had. So um tonight uh, I'm excited about tonight. So we're gonna take a little bit of time uh just to do a brief little interview, and then we'll kind of get more into the lesson, uh, and then we're going to have a, another time of sharing towards the end, um, but I wanted to just highlight two people here, so this is Wendy, and uh, this is Toby, so, uh, and uh, the three of us, along with a couple others, are part of the same family group, and so uh, tonight is, uh, it's, it's our night to shine, and so we're really excited about <laughs> the opportunity just to share with you and, and, and from our hearts. But, um, I just had a couple questions. So first, do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) so in in kind of preparing for, for our, our, our lesson tonight, um, and even before I kind of get into the questions, I wanted to ask some like pre-questions. So tell me a little bit, uh, as far as who you are and, uh, how long you've been in in town for.
1: Um, Mike is working. Uh, my name is Wendy. I have been in in town, I feel like it's almost been a year now, okay. because I, I came from Edge. So, I think it'll be a year, maybe like June or July. Um, a bit about myself, I am a filmmaker here in Atlanta. I do my own documentary work, and um, that's about it. That's awesome. All right.
2: Um, so, I'm Toby. Um, I just graduated from Georgia State. Um, I've been in town since I graduated, <laughs> and so I graduated in December, so I guess you can do, I can't really do that math right now. Um, um, you weren't a math major, were
0: you? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's a little bit about me. Awesome. Okay. Very good. Very good. All right. Um, and how long have you guys been disciples for? I think six years now. Six years. Okay. Four years. Four years, okay, good. So some, some seasoned bets up here, so awesome. All right, so <clears throat> tell me, what is your definition of family? If you were to define family, what would that be?
1: Um, my definition of family, when I think of the word family, I think of a bond, I think of tradition, I think of unconditional love, and I think of basically a togetherness, or basically something that, it's hard to explain, but you kind of like know each other, and you have an understanding of each other, and what you all have been through together. So that's kind of how I would define family. So bond, unconditional love. Um, For me, I have a little sister, so regardless of how many times we argue, she's still my little sister. (laughs) I can't call anyone else my little sister, so. Um, yeah, that's about it for me. That's great. Awesome. Um, when
2: I think of family, I, um, I just think of, I think of just the various people in my life and my, like my actual blood family, like my church family, I just see, so I guess I would define it as the people I share my life with. Um, so I have, you have your school family, your work family, your Georgia family, or just like you have various families with, and you share various parts of your life with. And so I guess for me, the family is just the people you share your life with, the people that you go through life with, um, who are there for you through the thick and thin, even even when there's like bad and good times
0: in your life. Awesome. Very cool. Awesome. Um, What does the ideal family look like?
1: Ideal family, I think a lot of people go into wanting a family thinking, it's going to be perfect. Um, And for me, an ideal family is filled with imperfection. It's filled with kindness and lots and lots and lots of grace. Um, (laughs) um, So basically, uh, for me, it's really important to communicate. So for me, family is about communication. So regardless of how you feel or um, the emotions that you feel communication is important to me as well so regardless of how long you've been apart whether it be five ten years um, I think that bond and that closeness is how I would look at family okay. and how I would um, basically define what family looks like yeah.
2: um, awesome very cool it's funny cause like when I think of when you ask this question the first thing I think of is like is two families like two tv show families and that's um, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and Will Smith, <laughs> like, so like Carlton and them, and I think of like the Brady Brunch. Yeah. And so, I guess for me, an ideal family would be, a, I guess, a collection of people who are just like, who have no bias and they accept anyone. Yeah. Like, in a family, you want to be accepted. Right. You want to be accepted for who you are. Um. You don't want to be judged on your pasts or, and you just want to be, you want to feel loved and accepted. So I guess. Yeah. An ideal family for me would just be a collection of people who who would accept me for who I am, but I also, like, I would accept them for who they are.
0: Very cool. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, And then just the last question. Have you ever equated the kingdom of God to a family? When was the first time, or if you can't remember that far back, the most prominent time that you saw the kingdom of God as a family? Good question.
1: Um, (laughs) I have two examples for this. So the first example I would say is one of my old family groups back in the edge. We had someone we were studying the Bible with. Um, A lot of you may know him. And I think he just got baptized and his apartment tragically was on fire. Mm. And he lost all all of his possessions. Um, And he was still new to the family. And the first thing our group did was, what does he need? Like they contacted him right away. They're like, he needs laundry, he needs clothes, he needs this. And it was, it, I was in awe about just how quickly everyone gathered together and surrounded him. Someone that they've been studying the Bible with for maybe six months. Yeah. Um, so I think of that as like the kingdom of God. Like, the, you don't, you haven't known this person for more than six months, and you immediately is like, what does this person need? What can I do for this person? How can I use my resources to help this person? Um, And my second example of that, that I've seen in the kingdom of God is, I recently went to Brazil like two months ago and Brazil, they mostly speak Portuguese. I don't know any Portuguese. And I decided to visit the church there and the whole service was in Portuguese. And when they started the service, they were singing, and all of the songs were the same exact songs we were singing here, <laughs> but in Portuguese. So even though I didn't know any of the words, I still felt close to them. I still yeah. felt like oh, these are my people. These are who I belong to. These, are, awesome. these people are doing the same thing I'm doing. These people are fighting the same fight I'm fighting. Just... From being able to do that, and I had someone who was gracious enough to translate the whole service to me. Wow, <laughs> she was like the only person in the church who spoke English, so she was like translating the whole service to me and my friend. And um, that's what I think about when I think about God's kingdom and family. I can go anywhere in this world, find a church here, and feel close to them, knowing that they're even though they're speaking a different language, even though they have different cultures and different things going on, I can still relate to them in a way that is familiar to me. Um, One of the things that the elders said was, um, he basically gave a message to North River and he said, we're fighting the same fight you're fighting. Mm -hmm. So that is um, where I saw God the most um, when it relates to family in the kingdom.
0: That's awesome.
2: Um, I think for me, the times where I really equate the kingdom of God, the family, are, um, in times, in, in like the down times. Yeah. Because I feel like in the world they, they use the word family and it's easy to accept people when everything's going good, everything is going fine. But when things aren't going, it's going great and things are going tough, that's where you really see, I've been able to really see people, just the kingdom really rally around someone. I know for me, like last year at this time, I wasn't really well. Um, last year and around early, this, year, early, early in the year last year, I wasn't really doing well spiritually. I was really on, um, um just just struggling with my relationship with God, and um, I wasn't really a part of the body. I was really distant from people. I became a recluse, and um, thank thankfully to God, I was able to really. I had lived with brothers who really um, invested in me, really spent time with me, really helped me through my tough times. And yeah. I think the time I really saw, like, like really connected family regards when I when I slowly saw myself coming back and just like people were just like coming up and like hugging me, like, Toby, I'm so glad, blah, 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 and things like that, like. And just see, like, how even when I was, like, struggling and wasn't really sure with even my own walk with God, like, the people really accepted me. And so I just, like, seeing, like, seeing the, body of Christ just like really um really work in that way yeah it's, it's, I feel like that is a really powerful yeah. way to define like family like just I think that's those are the times where I really see um why really equate family to go, um
0: family to the kingdom that's awesome amen well that's it thank you guys awesome appreciate it All right, uh, if you have your Bibles, please go ahead and uh, turn over to Mark chapter 10. That's where we're gonna be tonight. Um, one chapter, one book. It's gonna be great. We're just gonna, we're just gonna feast in here. So uh, as you can probably guess, tonight uh, we're gonna be talking about family, all right? Me familia. Uh, I'm not talking about the kind of family that uh, you were born into against your will, right? I'm not talking about your blood family, uh, the type of family that I'm gonna talk about tonight is the type that each and every one of us was born again into by choice, all right? So each and every one of us, we know that we made a choice uh, when we decided that, you know what, I'm gonna lay down my life, I'm gonna become a disciple of Jesus. We know that when we made that choice, we were added to his kingdom. 1 Corinthians 12:13 says, for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. All right, and so it's when we were baptized that we were then added to God's church. We were added to his kingdom, and now that kingdom that we're a part of, that's our family, and that's who we're here tonight with. When you look to the left, we you look to your right, when you're singing with your brothers and sisters, when you're opening up the word of God, you're doing that with your church family. But what does this family look like? Um, you know, we had two different people up here sharing two different experiences and two different illustrations and pictures of what family Looked like, and I appreciated them sharing their hearts and sharing vulnerably about what family looked like. Um, Tonight, we're just going to look at one key aspect, okay? A root, if you will, uh, of of uh, of this family, and why it's so important that we plant this root within our ministry, within our house churches, within our family groups, and within our hearts. Amen. Um, Let's go ahead, and we'll go to God in prayer. Father in heaven. Uh, Just thank you so much for this evening. Thank you for this time. Thank you for just bringing us all here together, Father. We're so grateful just to be able to uh, lay everything aside and come before you uh, together with all the saints. And Father, we pray that this time can be uplifting. We pray that this time can be refreshing and encouraging, Lord. Uh, I don't want this time to be a burden. You didn't create this time to be a burden on anybody. But sometimes this can feel like a burden because we've got so much other stuff going on and and sometimes we just want a night to relax and we want a a time just where we can set everything aside and just do absolutely nothing. But Father, this time we want it to bring times of refreshment and joy to our hearts and to our lives. Father, we pray that this is that. Uh, Lord, we just love you so much. I pray uh, that you really just speak through me and uh, allow this to be a powerful time where we're able just to connect with you, with your spirit, and with your people. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so let's start here in Mark chapter 10. We're going to look at verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and, you, and then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. You see, all things are possible with God. Peter said to him, we have left everything to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in the present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, and with them persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last. And the last first. Okay, so a little bit of background and context here as we kind of dive in. So Jesus has just wrapped up discussing divorce with the Pharisees and its impact on God's intention for family. We see that in verses one through 12 of Mark 10. And then he goes on to explain how we as children of God are to emulate the heart and the character of little children. And if we do that, and only when and if we do that, will we be able to enter God's kingdom? That's in verse 13 and 16. So we already see leading up to Jesus's conversation with the rich young ruler uh, that Jesus is using several family-related illustrations and how uh, how these different scenarios impact the kingdom. He goes on to have a fascinating interaction with a man who just wants to know how to inherit eternal life. You know, if we were able to have one conversation with Jesus before we face Judgment Day, I can't think of many better questions than to ask him, Jesus, how do I inherit eternal life? Or better yet, how do I experience a better life here and now, how do I experience this life to the full? I mean, what else are we gonna ask him? If we get this one opportunity to meet with Jesus before Judgment Day, uh, you know, do we really think that we're gonna ask him things like, you know, is Georgia gonna win national title? I would love to know that because I would like to know if I'm wasting all my blood, sweat, and tears and all my Saturdays. I know my wife would love to know that so that I don't have to you know, focus my, my calendar, my schedule around uh, those football games. But um, you know, if we were to ask that question, if we were to have that one moment with Jesus, don't we want to know, okay, what is it that I need to be doing? What do I need to change in my life? Um, how do I get to be with you forever? What do I need to be doing here and now to experience your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven? Doesn't that seem like a pretty good question? Jesus responds with, hey, look, if you wanna be with me, you've gotta be willing to give up everything. Then you'll dwell with me in my kingdom. If you give up everything, you'll receive a 100 times as much, and you'll receive 100 times more now. You don't have to wait to experience heaven. You can experience the life that God has for you right here and right now. Uh, Jeff Hickman recently did a, a sermon a couple weeks ago at North River, and I think what he said bears repeating, which is, we didn't have our sins forgiven and the gift of the Holy Spirit given to us only to have to wait many more years until our physical death, okay? We get to experience heaven right here and right now, and Jesus has equipped us in order to do that, in order to experience eternity right now. But not only do you get to have eternity right now, but you also get to have eternity later on when you die. John 14, two says um, that there are many rooms in his father's house, okay? And those rooms are going to be filled with his sons and his daughters. These rooms are gonna be filled with your brothers and with your sisters that we get to then live on, uh, we get to live with them here on earth now and then again when we're in heaven. But we don't get to the then unless we make Jesus Lord now, unless we embrace this heart of sacrifice, of willing to give up everything. Uh, again, referencing back to Jeff's uh, Jeff's sermon, he mentions a guy, N.T. Wright. I really enjoy N.T. Wright. He's a very smart dude. Um, and, and what he says is this idea of kind of this Western kind of, Christianity that we've kind of uh, unfortunately been accustomed to, he says that we've missed the gospel message because we focus more on our personal salvation as opposed to the praise and worship that we as a heavenly family glorify our God with. So the purpose of the gospel is not how you personally can be saved, but it's how uh, that Jesus has created this kingdom so that we can then glorify and praise him, and that's what fills us up. That's what gives us that eternal life, amen? That's what's worth giving everything up for. And so true kingdom family manifests when we are willing to deny ourselves of everything in order to pursue the reign and the rule of God. That's when that kingdom family is able to manifest and take presence. is when we give up everything, when we sacrifice everything. You know, when the rich young ruler first asked what he must do to inherit eternal life, Jesus responded with several of the 10 commandments. So he, he responds with six of the 10 commandments, okay? And, and, and they're kind of softballs, I, I think, if you're asking me. I mean, he says, you know, don't murder. Okay, have you murdered anyone? Check, all right, I'm good to go, right? Uh, I think these are pretty obvious for anyone, believer or non-believer, right? He mentions here, he says, um, you know the 10 commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Whether you're a believer of Jesus or not, these are things that are pretty basic. I think our culture pretty much accepts these as good things. Atheists do these things. Atheists are nice to their parents. Atheists are not murdering uh, just people you know, here and there. But then he takes it a step further, okay? He takes it a step further and says, look, I'm glad that you're not doing those things, thank you. Thank you for not committing adultery. Thank you for not killing anybody. But if you really wanna dwell with me, if you really wanna have eternal life and life to the full, you've gotta be willing to give up everything. And here's where we see a little resistance from this guy. Here's where we see a little bit of resistance from the rich young ruler, right? His face falls, he leaves Jesus, he's downcast, he's upset, right? Because Jesus is asking him to give up his most prized possession, which is his wealth. Jesus isn't just asking us to give up the things that are easy with in our life. Jesus is saying, look, if you want to be with me, you've gotta give up the hardest thing, the thing that you don't wanna let go of. You've gotta get rid of that if you wanna follow me. You can't just give up the stuff that you're willing to give up, right? Like, I think all of us could give up murder because we're not doing it, right? Um, <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> um, Our church, this was when I was growing up in Athens, uh, not growing up in Athens, but when I was going to school in Athens, every single year at the beginning of the year, we would do a church-wide fast, it was for 21 days. And I remember, I think the first time I ever fasted, I was like, all right, I'm gonna fast for 21 days from soda. And I thought that was like a big deal. I was like, oh, no soda, you know. You know, I was freshman in college, I was eating out pretty much every single meal. I think I paid Zaxby's rent with how much I was eating there every single day. Um, and uh, fast metabolism. Yeah, it, it, thank you, God. Thank you, I appreciate that. Um, but when I was, I was just doing the bare minimum, guys. I wasn't doing anything that was exceptionally hard or difficult for me to do. I was just trying to check the boxes. Um, Jesus wants us to, to give up everything, not just the easy things, not just the soda, okay? Uh, it's not until we sacrifice everything that we're able, that it's not until we sacrifice everything that we're then able to experience heavenly family. It's not until we sacrifice everything that we have that treasure in heaven that Jesus is talking about. It's not until we sacrifice everything that we receive a 100 times as much in the present age uh, and in eternal life. In verse, thir- uh, in verse 29, I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, and with them persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. You see, heavenly, heavenly family, it's a byproduct of sacrifice. When you sacrifice, you get to have this family, okay? It's one of the greatest benefits that we possess when we make Jesus Lord of our life. Don't take the family of God for granted. This is an incredible advantage that you have because you've decided, I am going to follow Jesus. Think about what we say before uh, someone gets baptized. I kind of made a joke up here unintentionally and, and didn't even realize it when I was looking at the lesson, but you know when I was saying? Do you believe Jesus, Son of God? So uh, think about what we say before someone gets baptized, right? So you get the forgiveness of sins, you get the gift of the Holy Spirit, and you get added to God's kingdom, to his family, right? These are great benefits that come along when we decide to make Jesus Lord of our life. Before we committed our life to Jesus, we weren't able to take part in the first two, right? So before Carter Burke decided to lay his life down and be uh, a a disciple of Christ, I didn't have the gift of the Holy Spirit and my sins were forgiven, okay? But, uh, But for some of us, and I would say even a lot of us, We died to our old self and clothed ourselves with Christ because of the family that brought us in and showed us what a relationship with God looked like. I think all of us, if it wasn't for someone reaching out to you and bringing you into the kingdom of God before you actually made that decision to be baptized, uh, that's why a lot of us became Christians was because someone reached out to us, because someone brought us in. And it's when we saw that family and what that looked like that we were like, you know what? I wanna take this deeper. I wanna get more serious about my faith because this is something that I wanna be a part of. You see, Kingdom Family confronts and challenges others to step away from a convenient Christianity. I'm putting Christianity there in quotes. It it, it challenges us to step away from that convenient Christianity and to pursue a full-fledged commitment to Christ. And that's why we've, branch I'm using br- branch, that's kind of our, our word here for, for 2019, right? Uh, that's, that's like the, like the PC term for like splitting, right? So we've branched into smaller and smaller family groups. Uh, we've just recently branched within our group, and uh, I think we went to a group of like almost 20 to now we're like seven or eight maybe. Um, and it's been awesome. We had our family group coming over. Uh, the other night and and we sat in our living room and everyone had a chair, no one had to sit on the floor Uh, and we only have one couch, all right? It's a big couch, but it's one couch and we were able to fit everybody in our living room and it was great, we had intentional talks, everyone got to speak and I was really encouraged by that. Um, That's why we've created these smaller groups is because we want to create thriving, dynamic, intimate relationships with one another where we challenge each other. Okay, where we confront each other, where we call each other higher. You know, I'm so grateful. Uh, The other week I met with a brother and uh, we were hanging out and we were talking and and I was just getting open about my marriage and just the highs, the lows, and just ways that I was being a bum. And uh, he was willing to just confront me. And he said, Carter, you've got to fight for your marriage. Whatever you do, you've gotta fight for it. Uh, I met with another brother and uh, we were getting breakfast and uh, after we got breakfast, we decided just to kind of walk around the block. We were in Midtown, we were at the Einstein Bagel in Midtown and we were just, uh, you know what, we finished up our coffee and our bagel and we just walked outside and we just started praying. And we started praying for the city, we started praying for our jobs and that encouraged us, you know what, why don't, we, why don't we take this to our offices? Why don't we do Jericho walks around our offices and where we work? Why don't we bring this together into every aspect of our life. And because of that, uh, I, I'm just really grateful that I have relationships with, like, with, with people like that. I hope that you guys have relationships with different brothers, with different sisters, uh, of people that are willing to confront you, people that are willing to get a little bit uncomfortable, people that are gonna say, hey look, you've gotta give up everything if you wanna follow Jesus. Those are the type of relationships that we need to have and those are the type of relationships that I'm grateful to have. And that's the type of relationships that this church wants to encourage and wants us to be a part of. And uh, we're only able to do that when we get smaller and when we decide, you know what, this is what I need. And I wanna just be a disciple and a commitment, a committed follower of Jesus. Um, Jesus didn't confront the rich young ruler just to make him feel sad, right? I don't think that Jesus necessarily knew that he was going to, Uh, I don't think Jesus necessarily knew the rich young ruler was gonna walk away sad. I think he knew he was gonna give him some challenging things. Um, But Jesus had compassion. He looked at him and the scripture says he loved him. But it was in that love that he confronted the rich young ruler because he wanted a relationship with him. You see, when we confront, it's not just because we're wanting to get underneath somebody's toes. It's not just because we're, we're wanting to say we're high and mighty and you're doing something wrong and I'm here to tell you, why you're wrong. We confront people because we love them. But if you're the one that's doing the confronting, unless you're doing it with love, the person that's hearing it is not going to be able to take it the way that it's supposed to be. And so I think despite Jesus giving it to him in love, he walked away. Now, ultimately we don't know. Uh I hope and I hope all of us hope that in faith this guy ended up giving away everything. Um but uh we that that's open ended and Jesus challenges us just to give away everything anyways. As we talk about these benefits, these benefits of the kingdom of God, right? So we get the gift of the Holy Spirit, we get the forgiveness of our sins, we're added to God's kingdom. It's important that the kingdom though doesn't supplant the king, okay? While it's wonderful joy to share with Jesus and the fruits of his kingdom, it's important that we don't place the kingdom above the king. So let me say it this way, are we, are we more consumed by the kingdom or are we more consumed by the benefits of the kingdom. You know, it's not a bad thing to be drawn in by the benefits. Again, like I said, a lot of these benefits are what first got us, our, our relationship with God sparked. It was the initial spark that we needed to pursue Jesus. Um, but when the benefits become the foundation upon which we build, we push out the rock that is Jesus and our foundation crumbles. It might not crumble immediately, it might take some time. Um, there's some of us in here that have been around for a really long time and we thought that there was brothers and sisters that were in it and they were in, our, in the fight with us and then 20, 20 years later, 30 years later, they're gone because they didn't have firmly planted roots because they were more focused on the benefits and what people were doing for them and what God was doing for them as opposed to glorifying and worshiping God all about what the gospel message was about in the first place. You know, um, when I first became a Christian, I, one of the first thoughts I had was, now I can start going on dates. Did anybody else? I'm not, I'm not alone here, I know, don't, come on. I was like really excited about that. So I was like, I was somebody who, um, I grew up in our, in our, family, uh, our family of churches and um, I didn't get baptized until I was in college, freshman year, uh, but I had been around this culture for you know 19 years up until I became a Christian. And I remember, like, thinking about, like, man, they, they have so much fun. They go on dates, and, you know, eventually they get to have girlfriends, and that looks like so much fun. And, uh, you know, I, I, I saw that as a benefit of being in the kingdom. I was like, that looks really great. I really want that. And I remember... I just remember thinking, you know what? That's probably not a good thought to have before, you know, like I'm about to become a Christian. Like, I think that was like the week before I got baptized. I was like, all right, now, like after next week, like I'm gonna ask like this is this around a day, like, you know, but um, I, you know, while that's a great benefit of the kingdom, that's not a reason to become a Christian or to stay a Christian. I think, you know, we've got to have our roots firmly planted. Um, don't become so obsessed with the benefits that we forget that our purpose is to praise God. Amen. Um, you know, when I think about, Um, and just kind of wrapping up here in this idea of having a heart of sacrifice and allowing that to be the backbone of our family here in the church. Um, When I think about people that have been consumed by the kingdom and have laid down so much for each and every one of us, uh, especially here within in town, I think about a couple people like the Davises. I know Janine's not here, but Carrie, Carrie's here. Amen. Um, I think about Jordan Beeman, I don't know where Jordan is, Jordan's around, oh, there she is, Jordan, thank you, um, and uh, I, I think most of us know their last midweek is tonight, and um, we're all super bummed about that, and, and uh, I don't, it just so happens that y'all are sitting on the same row, I don't know if you guys, I don't know, uh, I guess it's easier to talk to both of you, but um I, you know, we're just really grateful for all that you guys have done for in town. I think you guys have both sacrificed a lot. I know Janine's not here, but um, she's been uh, such an incredible piece uh, to the overall puzzle that is in town. And we've just been so grateful for the ways that you guys have stepped in, the ways that you guys have served, the ways that you guys have loved, and the ways that you guys have sacrificed. Uh, you know, Carrie and Janine, they came into our family group and our house church and they sacrificed their time their energy, and their effort to serve the group. Um, quite, quite honestly, to be, to be truthful with you, they should have probably been leading our family group. Um, they were much more qualified than, than I am, but um, you know what? They came in and they just said, hey, how can we help? What can we do? Um, you know, They ushered in the kingdom family the second they stepped foot in Atlanta. Yeah, I think about someone like Jordan. Jordan is someone who's been a huge part of in town since it's, its inception, right? I mean, you've been here since the beginning or close to it. We'll we'll consider you a founding member, don't worry. Uh, But uh, I just know that everyone just feels so loved by Jordan. I mean, whether it's, uh, you know, you making them a baked good. I always feel loved by that, Jordan. You know that. I'm your biggest fan, all right? Um, But also, you've helped out with the communications. That's been a huge piece. And uh, that's not easy. And I appreciate the way that you have served. I appreciate the way that you have helped so many people feel loved. Uh, I know your roommates are going to miss you a ton. Um, they've been so appreciative of all that you've brought, and, and that just resonates throughout the in town ministry. Um, as we close out, I, I want to take a little bit of time just to honor these, these well, Janine in spirit, three people. Um, and so we just had a couple people that were just going to share a minute or two about, uh, about each one. And so those of you that um, know that they're supposed to be up here, y'all can go ahead and come up here. Um, feel free to. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. Hey.
3: Um, I was asked to share about Jordan Beeman, and um, I think it's very fitting to talk about family on your last night. Um Jordan is not just someone I go to church with. Um, she has become like a sister to me and I'm actually her neighbor also. We live six houses down from each other. Um, so we've been able to do a lot of life together. Um, she's very close to her roommates, but she's just allowed herself to, um, allowed me to get um, come into her space more um, in her life. Um, Jordan, you Um, have a very special place in so many people's hearts. Um, I think of, when I was thinking of a character trait of you, I was just thinking about how brave you are. You've been through so many ups and downs of life, um, especially for how young you are. And um, you still have this bravery in you, this this ability to be so courageous of um, living life to the full and going after things in your professional life that can be scary to things with your walk with God and things that you wrestle with. Um, I've seen it on, um, so many fronts of your life and your depth, your sincerity. Um, I just love walking through life with you, literally walking to church with you every Wednesday, but, um, I'm just grateful for that. And as a friend pleading for another friend, um, moving is hard and transitions are hard, Um, even if it's to a a good move. And this is a really happy move, actually, and so excited for you. But um, as a protective older sister, I just think, like, please pray for Jordan. Please pray for um, Janine and Carrie, um, even just as they transition and move, because those can be rough. I love
4: you, Jordan. I'm also sharing about Jordan. Um, Jordan, I just want to thank you on behalf of the in-town ministry um, of all the ways that you have tirelessly served us. Um, I think a lot about the women who went around with the disciples back when Jesus was around and helped just support the cause, contributing however they could. And I I think that really is the heart that you've brought to the ministry. Um, If you've been to a house church in town, chances are you've had some of Jordan's communion bread at some point. If not, I feel sure she probably left some in the freezer at her house for us to continue having while she's gone. Um, That is a passion of hers. Um, While well, baking, um, and she's used that to serve with um, making bread. She's had um, house church in your home. I mean, I know it's not just your home, but you know, there's never a time when you're like, ah, I don't want to have people over today. Um, we had de-group at your house last night, we're having house church at your place on Sunday. Your home's in boxes, and you're happy to um, serve in that way. Um, you have been running the whole in town admin thing where you send us all emails once a week to remind us that there's church tonight and we should come and you have maintained a calendar so that I can look on my phone and find out information about church that I didn't put in my phone and that's a really great feeling also if you need that link Jordan still can send that out it's on the emails all the time it really is a game changer um But that is a job that, you know, a lot of us sitting around the table are like, ooh, not it. Don't want to be the one that has to manage that stuff. And you offered. And you brought with it your own vision. And I think um, that's just a huge part of getting a ministry going is rallying the troops. And that's something that you have served us with. So thank you so much for doing that. Thank you for loving us. Um, I I have no doubt you're going to continue doing that where you go. But it's been great to, to walk alongside you.
5: Cheers. I get to share about Carrie. Um, (laughs) I was excited uh, when Carter sent me a text and said I got to get to share about Carrie at his last midweek just because I respect his walk with God so much. And uh, he's poured in a lot uh, to me, even when I was before I even moved down here when I was up in Detroit, just our phone calls. Um. But when I, you know, was thinking about, you know, what to share uh, about with you, this scripture instantly came to mind. And it's uh, it's in Hebrews 12. Um, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you would not grow weary and lose heart. And so when I think of you and I think of your life, um, just like in the past few months, just seeing like, you know, all the different things that you and Janine have had to go through, and how you continue to to pour out into our family group, um, I, I think of I think of this, uh, yeah, just how you you run this race uh, of perseverance, and you're just showing me that it's you know it's it's not you know a sprint, it's a marathon, and even you know with the the passage it's is twofold because it, it begins with you know just therefore. Um, and in Hebrews 11, he's just going through the the like the hall of faith. He's talking about faith in action, um, and all these you know these great our great heroes in the faith. And I can think about you know for me when I when I think about you know why I need to you know per- persevere for God and who I've seen do that. That's um, you're definitely up there you know in my you know the hall of faith. Um, so I appreciate you and everything you've done to pour into me, man.
6: Uh, Carrie, um, this, this really hurts, man. This really, really hurts. Um, I want to share this scripture, uh, Psalm 3730. It says, uh, the mouth of the righteous, uh, speaks wisdom and his tongue, uh, talks of justice. And, um, and I felt like, you know, just like what Carter said, like when you came into the group, you just came to serve. You know, you came to serve with a serving heart. Um, when I was part of, when I was part of Carter's group, um, I think for our marriage, like, we, we needed wisdom during that time as well. And uh, the InTown has a great ministry, um, but I felt like uh, when you came into the group, like, God did, determine pl- that God did determine a time and a place where you should live so you can help us and so you can encourage our group as well. And, um, you know, Friday was challenging with my wife having surgery, and we riding in the car. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. You know, I don't know what else to say. I've been trying to encourage my wife. I'm trying to, you know, do all things I need to do. And out of the blue, uh, Janine just called her. You know, she called her out of the blue. I'm like, you guys do that every single time. Like, you guys allow God to lead you guys' heart to reach out to us. You know, and um, she had all the right words because she prayed with my wife, you know. And she calmed her heart. Um, She got off the phone. I was like, thank you, God. I'm so grateful for them, you know. Um, so, you, um, so I'm so grateful, well, we're grateful that you guys, um, you know, just poured out your hearts to us, man, and, um, and I just want to let you know as well, I have been praying against you leaving, so, um, so we're going to see what God does, you got a few days, man, you know, and, um, but I love you so much, Carrie, um, you're one of my, you know, closest friends and everything like that, and, um, but we're going we're to stay in contact, and, um, everything you did for the ministry, it will continue to move on as well.